Mimelo Mutine on Life Happens weekdays 1 to 3 p.m. on SAFM. Five minutes after two. So what we're going to be doing now for the entire hour is to have what I would call the big interview. And my guest, eat your heart out, but maybe you don't have to because you can call in. You know, it's okay. But I'm with him right now. He's sitting across from me. And who am I speaking about? I'm speaking about Dr. John Carney, who is now, I suppose, on everyone's lips because the Lion King is out, you see. Dada, hello. Hey, how are you? Well, <laughs> I'm going to answer it this way. You're better than me. <laughs> you, you are far better than me, Mike. Goodness. So I want to ask you this question. You know, when you when you are, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, in the in the arts world, mm. not quite at the time you started, but as you move into your career, there are times when a call comes in and then you you would act like it's not a thing. You know, when an agency calls and says, uh, Mr. Kani, Dr. Kani, they would like you to do one, two, three. Right. So maybe you've either read for them or something. And then you you play cool, and then you say, "Oh, okay," and uh, you put the phone down, and you have <sighs> after you've put the phone down, and then, <laughs> and then later on in your career, the same phone call comes in, and then you start then moving into well, how much, right? And then they yes. kind of say, and then you say, "Oh, okay, let me think about it," but you're not really going to think about it. You put the phone down, and you still go. <sighs> Yes. And then as you move on, you say, well, let me read the script and decide. And then you don't scream anymore after putting the phone down. I want to know what happens with you now. When Disney calls and says, Dr. Kani, would you consider, because I think that's what they say now to you, would you consider being part of our production? What do you say? The important thing is always to take everything in your own stride. Yes. You work in this industry. You walk around from production to production, from production company to production company. You bump into producers, would-be producers, young producers who are creative and always telling you that this is the, I have this project, I have this in mind. Yes. You take it very quietly. Thank you very much. <laughs> when you have the idea set in your mind, please call me or call my agent. Because these projects sometimes take years. It's a plan, it's a thought, it's a passion for someone, and it will take years. The problem is then when somebody says to you, call, what's Sean Kane doing? And my agent says, well, he just finished a play at the market theater. Oh, somewhere he's going somewhere. Is he available to be in Captain America Civil War? We want him to introduce the character of uh, uh, King T'Challa. Yes. But he's going to be the father of King T'Challa. Yes. Right. So you leave it there cold because this might happen in another two years or it may not happen at at all all because you're not being offered so I got to a stage that I removed the exploratory business call me only when you offer me you know who I am. You're not chatting anymore. No, about I'm not the reading for you. I'm not auditioning for you. We're not I chatting. I have no conversation with you. It will only begin when you tell me that there is a character in this particular project you'd like me to play or to voice. Then we meet and discuss the character. This In that same time, my age has been talking the other business. Do, do you talk 
and allow them to use your name to raise money? Do you, are, you, are you in that part of the conversation? Do you allow that to happen? There are projects like that yes. when it is young people, or not young in age, yes. young producers who are beginning, yes. who are saying we have this project and we're raising money we and we would name? love to you to make a commitment somehow in pencil. I could rub it out <laughs> in pencil. Yes, that yes. I'm interested in this project. Time permitting, contract, and fees, I would be interested to be part of it. You've got to make it sort of open yes. so that you don't promise and then suddenly you stuck. Because what sometimes happens, I agree to do a small something, a play, because I love it. Mm -hmm. And then immediately I agree. There's a, there's something a call, else comes Something in? huge. Yeah. Now, I always stick with my first agreement. I'm sorry about the big one. I will do what I promised. Really? Yes, I'll do that. So oh the point gosh. simply is that it's very difficult in our industry. There's so many people talking to you in your ears. Yes. I always say, sometimes that phone doesn't ring. You've left that part out. Mm -hmm. Sometimes nobody's talking Absolutely. to you. Sometimes it's quiet a year or two. Mm -hmm. And I always say, remember why you wanted to be an actor, why you wanted to be an artist. That reason will always carry you through those difficult times. And whenever people say, we're doing this project, we're working with so-and-so, can you come over? You don't go home and tell the world, I'm going to be in so-and-so's project, because it might not happen, mm. might not. Then you get people who are saying, I can't do it, but it's best to hear Hollywood, Ganji. Now we're you can start with <laughs> and it happens. It happens. This, this, this is a world of promises, of projects and projects. A friend of mine, Zeke Dukai, said to me, you Africans must stop asking what it is about. We have a project. What is it about? Stop. Ask how much is it, how much <laughs> is it for me? Once we finish the finance part of it, then I can say what is it about. Really? Oh. That's Zeke Smukai who said, that's how we work now. Can you stop being an African general with your generosity? Huh. The people know exactly why they're calling you. It's... Mm -hmm. It's interesting because, you know, the Lion King is big, right? It's big. But I, the, the, the artist in me gets really excited when I see you on stage with like a Robert Whitehead. Mm -hmm. I of mean, I get excited about the Lion King, but I get really excited about that. Do you kind of also sway that way? We do films. To keep the wolf off the door. Yes. To be comfortable financially. Yes. To be able to say to the wife, we're going out. <laughs> to be able to prove to the children you are working. You're working. <laughs> we yes. do television to be very popular. Mm. Popular. Mm. Because we are in the living rooms and bedrooms of our audience who create an abstract relationship with you, not even knowing who you are, love or hate you within that. Mm -hmm. And when they meet you in the street, they don't even know who you are. They remember you with uh, M.K., the character I played in Inkab. Mm. But we do theater because we love it, mm. because we have a purpose, because we have a passion, because we have a reason for each thing we choose. What is it? We, what role are we playing mm. in the broader scheme of social cohesion, mm. in the broader scheme of just humanity, serving humanity? So those are the three levels. So as you can see then, if you offer me a play, I'm more excited. Oh, I, <laughs> then you offer me something on television or something in the movies. But my agent will insist I consider the movie first. Of course. 
because that's where her percentage commission Correct. is. I I saw your generosity of spirit when you did the play recently with Robert Whitehead because you were produced, you were directed by a very young lady who says, in her own words, you guys said to her, just direct. <laughs> you know, don't ask us what we think. Just lead us. And she was most humbled by that because here she was in front of thespians, people who've earned their stripes over decades. And you guys said, you lead us. We're not going to tell you how you want us to be, how, how you, we want to be led. Well, James has a fantastic policy for the market theatre. If he assembles the A-listers in the company or in that particular production, he asks us, would you be prepared to give a hand mm -hmm. for a young director? Mm -hmm. It's going to be incredible for them to work with you. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be fantastic. We said, of course, who's the young director? He says, it's a... Lisedi job. I said, she's fantastic. I've seen her work. We'd love to work with her. So we get into rehearsals and she's thinking, all right, do I say hello, Dada? Or do I say hi, John? Hi, Robert? Or I said, no, say Dada. Say Dada. Don't get lost. Say Dada. And then you say, now we're here to work with you. We're now a collaboration. The director, the actors, the set designer, the set the costume designers, we're all new people. It was fantastic. Stage managers sitting around. We're all going to create this project. They all have something to give. The problem then is when you use our names and we become, you know, the divas or A-listers, is that we don't get directed. Of course, you know, that was brilliant. Every time you do something, you say, that was brilliant. Mm -mm. And I'm thinking, no, no, mm -mm. I left a line. You can't say that was brilliant. Yeah. It's not making sense in the delivery of this paragraph. Mm -hmm. I left a line. I'm, I'm, I made a mistake. Mm -hmm. But it's another fine. We'll pick it up when we do your close-up. So you end up really being the same character, same person again and again and again. And yet when a director explores with you other possibilities, mm -hmm. other challenges, there are always five routes to decide for a character. You've got to do five of them. Then you decide which one you're going to take. My conversation is with Dr. John Kani, and you're more than welcome to take part in this conversation, 891 This is going to be a conversation all the way until 3 o'clock. Uh, it's our birthday, so I'm, I'm right here to celebrate with you, with Dr. John Kani, and we'll be doing this until 3. You're listening to Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. 17 minutes after 2 o'clock and I will be taking your calls on 0891-104-207. Dr. John Carney is with me and uh, I, I want to ask you, so how, how many years to go? Are you ever going to retire? One of the movies I did, I think it was about five years ago, or six years ago, was called The, um, the Tichborn Claimant. Mm -hmm. It was set in England in 1763. I play a screwy uh, butler who manages to screw the Tichborns out of 12 million pounds. Their son died, but I found a lout somewhere who looks like the son, and I said, no, he was with me. Mm. When we have to go to court to the Old Bailey, and they cast Sir John Gilgood just before he died. Sure. He walked on set 94, sat down as a judge. He had a long summation. We had what we call idiot boards. You know, I don't know exactly large what font, you mean. because we knew you could. We we, we could even look it's at the teller thing. Yes. He said, 
I'm an actor for crying out loud. I still remember my lines. Well, that's what I believe you guys did. You and Robert Whitehead. You went yes. and learned your lines. Yes. We went to learn the lines. It's such an important process. Almost takes away the joy of performance, the creative process. When we unpack Discipline. the text yeah. and look at each word and find out what is it. The research compound when we did uh, Congo. Yes. The trial of... Um, of Leopold. Correct. You know, it was a fantastic process because we were finding words and someone would come in and people would say, uh, um, uh, Lissetti would say, I found this paragraph, looked at And then we look at it and says, we can put it there because we're making the work mm-hmm. out of an interview by Mark Twain mm-hmm. in 1909 mm-hmm. when he interviewed um, King Leopold II of Belgium who actually owned Congo as a private property, like his car, his garden, his shirt, his everything. It only became uh, part of the colony of Belgium after his death by act of parliament. Mm. Before then, it was his own. Mm. 25 million people Mm. were killed, decimated during his 20-year reign. And that is uh, a genocide that Mm. we speak very little of because the people concerned, it's like the world moving only after so many months in Burundi and, and uh, uh, Rwanda. Mm-hmm. When they knew what was happening and they didn't move. And they, in the time of Leopold, they couldn't move because he had the rubber and copper mm-hmm. which they needed for the industrial revolution, mm-hmm. for the electrification of every part of their economy. Mm-hmm. So there is that kind of work, and then there's the kind of work that I don't know what what is it in the person that says, yes, it's okay, it's time, when you then expose your own story to the rest of the world, when you start thinking, okay, it's time to tell my own story, when you penned your own play and that spoke about your brother and so on, was that a tough decision? Basically, in the first, I'm a storyteller. Mm. I come from a long line of these old ladies and grandmothers and grandfathers. Our grandfathers really were busy trying to make us men and work in the fields and do this, be responsible. <laughs> Don't cry, be strong. There's a struggle out there. You must be prepared to do this. That the job of handing over the cultural legacy and history of this family, this community, this tribe, these people, was always left to the right people who were the historians, mm-hmm. our grandmothers and mothers. So they told us stories. So when I joined the Serpent Players in 1965, I wanted to Arthur Fugard to mentor me as a writer. Mm-hmm. That was my idea. Mm-hmm. But then, as we were creating each work on our own, there was another role left in the creation. So, okay, you'll take that one. Okay, you take that one. But in 1972, Winston Jonah and I, my late brother, uh, created Caesar Barnes is Dead. That then shifted the focus from the writer to the actor. Mm-hmm. Winning the Tony Award oh. on Broadway in 1975 was just picking up something and go home until I got back to my dressing room that I realized this thing is big. Did you know then how big it was? No. No. What, what, what do I know what about a Tony Award? I'm from New Brighton, Port Elizabeth. We just, we were like, we on it and then created history because the battle was between 
I won it for Cesar Bans is dead. Winston won it for the island. Yes. So what do they do? Do they give one or not the other? So the Tony Award organization decided we're going to award them both, both. in one night. Mm. So it's not half eating it. Mm. Then from there on, the actor got out of hand with the world offers all over the round, theater and television and all. But the important thing then, there comes a time when I think, hold it. There's something in me that there's a story I need to tell. Mm -hmm. There's an urgency of a situation I need to talk about. That's when I use the movie, you see. Yeah. You make good money and you say, I'm not going to work the next three months because I'm writing. Yeah. And that's where movies come in. Mm -hmm. And you've got to control, otherwise you're going to be in everything yeah. that's happening. And there must be a time you say no. Mm -hmm. I always fight with my agents. They're looking for you. They're doing this thing. It's about this gorilla coming down the mountains. I said, no, I'm not available. He says, yes, you are. I know you're doing nothing. I said, no, because I'm not doing anything you see. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking mm -hmm. about the next project. I need time. You know, you raise such an important point because uh, a great mentor of mine said to me a long, long time ago that um, if as a creative you don't find time to think, you will never, ever realize your full potential. Never. Because you're full of the noise around you. Everybody's telling you you're a superstar. Everybody's telling you you're great. People are seeing you're talking. People are happening. Someone's written a new play. Someone's there's a new movie coming out. These things are bombarding you. You need to take a break and say, stop. I'm done with it for this six months. You must, of course, do a movie before me. And make a little bit of money before. <laughs> yes. Because make, the family is not going to understand this doing nothing. <laughs> it was an important thing for you, though, when you're... At the time when your father recognized that you are now working, you're not playing, you're not fooling around, that meant a lot to you? It meant a lot, indeed. In fact, I started in 1972 when I gave up my job and went on to become an actor. Him unable to explain this, saying, yeah, my son is a carpenter, my son is Reverend Carney, Doing my daughter is a teacher, my other son is an accountant. John is the one, he's always away. Doing something. He's uh, busy with this thing. With this thing he's doing, you know. So, couldn't put the words to it. He couldn't call you a working man. No. It was in 1985. I came back from New York. I, he, he loved his red hot rum. And I would buy him from duty free a whole liter of red hot rum. And I would give him. And I got home. He was sitting with his friends. I said, uh, oh, you're back, Nyan? I said, yes, I'm back. I put it down there. And he looks around and he says, Guys, this is my son, Ujon Gani, the actor. What did that mean to you? He died three months later. The words came out of his mouth. He formed it. He believed it. He accepted it. He understood that this is not just play spielige. This is something he does because he believes in it. And as my mother always said to him, why are you bothering John? I've never seen him so happy. That's enough for me. And that was the most, if you talk, to talk about highlights in my career, mm. is that moment in February 1985 when he said, this is my son, John Kani, the actor. And then died. So and he died. Afterwards. And that's, I, I still remember that. So it's, you've got to find time for yourself. You've got to find time for family, for instance. Mm. You know, just to see the wife, to see the children, the grandchildren, they're all over. I've got seven children and eight grandchildren. They're running all over the place, not in my house, away from my house. 
and where they belong. You know, and then they come and see me. You watch that gate. Because when my daughters and my son come home with all the children, they watch, watch the gate. As you crazy about the grandchildren, they're gone out of the gate. They leave you with the grandchildren? Yes, watch the gate. Hold the remote. I told them that when my youngest son turned 21, I told him, now I have my girlfriend back. Oh. The one I married yes. long time ago yes. and gave birth yes. to all of you. Yes. Now you're all gone. <laughs> so we now I have my girlfriend back. Me and my wife are now boyfriend and girlfriend. We ask, what are we doing tonight? And sometimes the answer is nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, no! I'm here. Use me. Let's do many things. He says, no, nothing. I said, can we go out for dinner? Said, I've already cooked. <laughs> Listen, don't cook tomorrow because we're going out. Is that what's keeping you young? This, this light, the spirit of what are we doing next? That you haven't decided to just be. I mean, when I see the two of you, I think that's it. It's this zest for life. Look, I don't know if one ever gets to a point of complete gratification, complete thing. Mm -hmm. You don't. Mm -hmm. I mean, people say, look, I'm, act, I'm an actor, I'm a writer, I direct, I produce, but still there are certain areas that I feel I haven't touched. They've got nothing to do with awards. What is that? So many stories to be told. You are aware when you reach a certain age of the urgency of the given situation around you. Mm. I'm amazed at the lackadaisical attitude of our politicians and people who are in business about like this, there will be many other tomorrows. No crisis. You know, I remember saying, talking to uh, my good friend, former President Tabo Mbeki, I think it was about, we both turned about 65 something. And I said, you know, I'm worried about the youth. He said, why? I said, these guys are learned and they are graduates and they are qualified. If we don't meet their needs now, in another 10 years, they'll be the opposition. They'll be the strongest opposition to what this government or to what we want to do. And you think about it now when you see an, a, a, a service delivery protest, which is not really service delivery. Mm -hmm. It's being let down by our democracy that did not deliver freedom. Mm -hmm. When you see these things, it's not that you used to get a person, the news reader would translate. Mm. This is what he says. Now the person who tells us is articulate, incredibly clear, and incredibly fed up. Which means we, as elders, have missed that gap we could have used to meet the needs of young people. So they become the leaders of tomorrow. They're not going to become that without our intervention. Mm. What do we do now? We're not late. That's why it's just that we haven't got time to play games mm -hmm. with this and that and inquest and then the inquiry. We get to the point immediately. What is the point? Youth employment. What do we do? Find the money, invest, and then get the people, young people as entrepreneurs or don't tell them to be what. Ask them. They know exactly what they want. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm laughing now. I'm watching the news left of my eye. It says that the Bank of England has a, has downgraded the growth to 1.3 per annum. We freak out with two or three. Mm. England is happy with one point. Mm. 
because that's what the general economic down going all over the world. Mm-hmm. And then when you come to us, which we are part first world or third world, sometimes I wonder what happened to the second world. <laughs> Why don't you ever become second world? <laughs> we are the, at the end. We receive the blow when world economy mm-hmm. is coming down. And then we then are faced yeah. with the figures of unemployment. Almost like 29 million people. That's a nation unemployed. That's my conversation with Dr. Don Kani, and you're more than welcome to take part in this. We'll go quickly to Uzile Sagu, and I'll take your calls after that. A very good afternoon to you, Uzile. It's now 2.30. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.2 FM in East London. 29 minutes to 3 o'clock. My guest is uh, Dr. John Carney on the big interview. We are together until 3 o'clock. Lots of your tweets coming through. I see them. I will ask them. To, I will ask him to respond to, to the questions that you're posing. But listen, you can also call in, as you know, 0891-104-207. Tata, you, you were speaking a little bit about the um, your when you made the call to write nothing but the truth. You know, you had to tell the story. This is a story that you couldn't ignore. And you're also lamenting about what's happening around us and the urgency of us also telling the story of what we're seeing right now. What is the urgency? Which story are you contemplating of telling now? Look, nothing but the truth was at a time we were country was going through the process of the TARC, the process of reconciliation. I was part of those processes. I went to the workshops. We moved around to schools and doing workshops, but I couldn't workshop me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See? Mm-hmm. I knew my brother was short. I buried my brother with stomach blown out. I could see through, put my hand through. That's how close he was from the barrel of the gun. Data did not want to touch. I could talk about everything else. And every time I went to Port Elizabeth, I have this tradition. When I go home, I visit the graves of my family. Mm. And just to make sure that my brothers did go and my sisters, they're not neglecting cleaning the place. <laughs> I'm the that's, eldest, that's you see. That's not the only reason. <laughs> I can tell you that's not the only no, reason. No, that, that is a di- another deeper reason. <laughs> yes, and I couldn't talk to him mm. because I'm angry and bitter. Mm. You know, he was a poet. And I decided it's time to tell his story. 15 pages down was the worst budget prop or protest that I've ever written. I threw it away and later I came back to it as a story of these two men using that as a vehicle. Mm. Two brothers. One is a resident South African ordinary human being and he is part of everything except that he's not part of the political activist level. Mm. He had a younger brother who was that. Mm. So I told that story. My second one I was more concerned about the returning of the exile, when, uh, which the play called Missing. Mm. Ever, whenever you met our brothers in exile, yes. all of us saying, we're going home one day, we're going to go home one day. And one thing I realized, they also tended to exaggerate their role <laughs> in the struggle. Yes, everybody was the commander of something. I was the commander of this. <laughs> I was head of that. I was responsible for that. I'm number two to O.R. Tambo. I'm number two to Nelson Mandela. Now... All this thing was abstract. One day we will go home. Mm. 1990, the 11th of February, Nelson Mandela walks out of prison. 
Suddenly, the international exile community is panicking. What is going to happen? I have settled here. I've got roots here. I've got children. I married natives of the countries that hosted us. Mm -hmm. How do we go home? I've told these kids that one day we will go home. Now, where do we go home? So I wrote this play about the professor at the Stockholm University who marries a beautiful, you know, a Swedish lady played by Susan Dunford. Yes. And they have a daughter played by Butlengab. And they're coming home. Now, home to Makai, home, is where he was born, Paya in Tuzu, mm -hmm. or Paya Township. Mm -hmm. Now, they drive through the beautiful Senton suburbs, says, where's your home, actually? He says, it's I, it's I, it's so wet. <laughs> We're still going. Yes. And then it was that kind of how African am I after over 30 years? How African are my, my daughter, who only knows being African, from me telling her about home? My third, which is the final in that circle of me examining our given situation, is uh, Kunene and the King, mm. which just opened in yes. England yes. to rave reviews. We took it to Cape Town yes. for a short season. Yes. We're now working on transferring to the West End, and there is already a booking standing by for New York. This one, I want to understand, if you ask a black man, mm -hmm. we're celebrating 25 years, mm -hmm. Celebrate. What is there for you to celebrate? What, how do you measure these 25 years? What impact have they had in your life? Mm -hmm. And then I ask a white person the same question. I find two different answers. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the white man says, the country is a mess. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the black man says, I agree. But sometimes the black man says, no, if I look back, I'm in a better place than ever before. Mm -hmm. But then I put them on a little space where they can't escape each other. I lock them in a room. They have to look after each other. And they are um, incredible because the white man is an actor played by Sir Anthony Shea, yes. who is about to do King Lear at Artscape in Cape Town. Okay. The black man is Lunga. He is an oncologist sister, the most experienced nurse in high care, loves Shakespeare, but remembers doing it in Isikosa in 1959. Therefore, both one of them is a Shakespearean actor, passion. One of them is a lover of literature, including Shakespeare. Mm. So they meet and they discuss about King Lear. The white actor teaches Lunga about Shakespeare, the writing, the bard, the history. The black actor, Lunga, teaches Jack about humanity. So is that our answer to dealing with our trauma? It is my way of understanding the environment in which I find myself in. It is my way of being able to analyze it and put it to you and me so we could look at it with perhaps fresh eyes or more scrutinizing eyes. Mm -hmm. There is this fallacy of a non-racial society, of a rainbow society, of an equal society when we keep hearing with the most unequal society in the world. The stats sometimes can be very misleading. So I'm, I don't deal with stats. I only deal with reality. Mm -hmm. So to look at what is our understanding of where South Africa is today, by putting these two characters who argue strongly for the positions they hold and in the end they need to find each other and reconcile to the fact that it's not going to change until both of them do something positive about it. By being positive, it is not by criticizing and being an opposition to everything the one tries to do. Mm -hmm. It is by coming to a meeting point and realize ruling party, opposition party, at the end of the day, I want to receive.
Mm-hmm. I want services from both of you. Mm-hmm. So don't spend most of the time debating and arguing and doing all sorts of things that you call parliament processes. I'm not interested in that. I want at the end of the day, do I look at my pay packet? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, is the tab built next to it? The house is being built, a job is being created. Mm-hmm. Is education free from one level to another level? What is the impact on our society of that process called government? Mm-hmm. The, the arts, I think, is in a bit of a turmoil moment in this country, and I don't know if it's unique to us. But um, we partly celebrate you because you represent something that we could have been or can be. Umam uh, Nontle just passed away, and she wasn't happy. Uh, many around her, like, you know, your mm-hmm. peers are, are really sad. They feel that they're not when she received her uh, um, order, of order, order of Ikamanga. She said some scathing things to say, you know, nobody remembered me. Nobody remembers. Why did it take so long? And so on. And she represents the, a number of them. A huge it, majority. Yes. A huge majority. When you sit down and listen to artists, they don't agree on many things. It is a... There's something that's going on that's not quite pleasant. Is it unique to us and and what can be done to kind of bring the center back to hold? If you go to England, there is a separation from development Mm. and service to the commercial and professional side. If you want to work in that sector where you give, where you receive, where you feel passionate about the arts and the role of the arts and working through and improving the quality of life of communities, that's fine. But once you get to the West End, once you get to Broadway, once you get to Hollywood, that's business. People are not looking for people who are passionate about what. They found a script and they've looked at it and they're saying, we can make a billion here. We are now going to do a new version, CGI, of The Lion King. And that's what John Favreau said. I'm lying, sitting down on the set of the uh, Black Panther. And this, you know, set huge studio. Mm. Lights are not very good. Mm. And this man touches me on the shoulder and he says, Oh, Dr. Kani, how are you? Great work. I'm so proud of you. I mean, really, I started you at school. And because he's an actor as well. Mm-hmm. He says, we're going to do the another version of Lion King. Would you do me the honor of voicing Rafiki? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk later. I said, yes, of course, we'll talk later. Bye. And I talk. And Atandua <laughs> taps me on my shoulders. <laughs> Dada, do you know who that was? I says, no. <laughs> he says, that's John Favreau. <laughs> You're like, okay. I said, all right. <laughs> um, all right. Okay. We didn't introduce him. So we started talking. Yeah. So then when you are in that environment, it's really business. Mm-hmm. If that there's something you learn out of it, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a byproduct. Mm-hmm. Black Panther was not about... African dignity and culture. It's a byproduct. It's about how are we going to make money? Now, take the South African situation with 25 years. These guys have celebrated 120 years in that industry, mm-hmm. which is 25 years. Mm-hmm. And we're going through a transition period that is not clearly settled. Mm -hmm. Only the foundations of our democracy, the pillars are standing, like our judiciary, like our chapter 9 institutions, our concept, we're fighting every day against racism, or kind of racist attitudes and all that. Therefore, in the middle of that, there's an industry called the the entertainment industry, which people think is watching TV, not how you make TV. And then you've got the artist constituency who are trying to survive, literally to survive. And there is then a popular 
population of those artist constituency that about 40% of it should not be artists really, should be doing something else. <laughs> and then this then impacts on the quality of the work we do. Mm. We find ourselves then struggling all the time. They're looking for Pimula Miten to do this role and she wants... 150,000 rand. Mm. And they say, well, we'll call you back. And they meet with Tom Bizodwa, who's going to do it for 12,000. And they don't know that that impacts on the quality of the product at the end of the output. Therefore, then there's less respect for what we do mm. in quality. Mm. Then there's also the expectation. We sometimes count the years before 94, how we suffered before 94. And there is no intervention on government, on public sector, private sector, into making the lives of the artists a little bearable by investing in the arts, by investing in products that would yield returns. So they, they, we also, we are still sort of stuck in the mode of telling past stories of struggle and all that. Mm. People, they talk about landing in the moon. Nobody's done that. So, to, I mean, where's Wakanda? Where's the Lion King? Where's, I've just did now, a comedy with Adam Sandler, murder mystery. It's nothing to do about nothing. It's fun. <laughs> so somehow we tend to say the artists are struggling true to the bone. But because the environment is not conducive to our growth, the environment doesn't give us an opportunity to be creative. There's someone walking there with the bestest, best television series, but there's no one to produce it. Mm. There's someone walking there with a play that he has written in 12, 15 pages that would be better than Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, but there's no one to put it on. There's someone walking there with a pile of papers. He says, I'm writing this book. It's a historical book. It's about my life, my history. There are no publishers because the publisher is going to say, there's no market for this type of stuff you're talking about. So we are trapped in that sort of stagnant moment. Now, when we break through as individuals, it's almost exposing how difficult it is to the others. And sometimes mm. you feel not embarrassed to celebrate your own mm, success mm. or even to talk about it. I was going to ask you how tough it is to see Winston, for instance. Your, your comp you know, he was your best buddy. He is the man that kind of walked this journey with you, but your lives in comparison were very different. Yes. And I imagine that must have been hard. That must have been hard. The committee almost asks, ah, oh, when are you going back to P.E.? Oh, Winston Bapaya, oh, Bani Bapaya. And then people like, there are people in Soweto, there are people in Katlehon, the people all over South Africa. What are you doing for the community? You say, look, the problem is you've got to be so extremely successful. i got to make a billion US dollars. Then I'm able to invest in the next generation. At the moment, I'm working from hand to mouth. I'm only taking care of John Kani. In the meantime, also opening some opportunities for others in the project that I'm doing. So in that way, we're always strangled by even our own little success when it's measured against no success at all. Mm -hmm. But in comparison to the international community, we're not successful at all. I'm not Denzel Washington or Morgan Freeman or Tom Cruise with Mission Impossible 19, mm -hmm. where he gets about $50 million pack mm -hmm. uh, for one movie. We're not there yet. Mm -hmm. So we mustn't be distracted from the focus of exciting the industry. 
of convincing the captains of the industry that it's nothing to do with government funding the theater or the building. It's got to do with the businessmen thinking, you got a good story, we can make a lot of money. I'm going to put 10 million, let's do it. And when we do it, we bring all the expertise within the country. If we need to look, not actors, expertise mm -hmm. in creating the best product and packaging it. And we make another, let's say, 25 million. Mm -hmm. We're able to give the investor back his 10 million plus 15%. Do you know what happens? In another five years, he's calling back. Mm -hmm. Guys, what do you have? Do you have a new project? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, I mean, that's what we need to do mm -hmm. is to get ourselves to a point where we are ultra commercial in the packaging and still tell this significant story that is our history. It's a tough one because the, the artist, you know them, don't like commercial. The artist don't like commercial. They pride themselves, some of them, in this you know, I am I am the purest in the arts. And that's a fine balance, isn't it? Of course. I mean, I said, I, I, I used to speak like that. And my son said, Tata, who does? This is CNN. James L. Jones, yeah. the most revered and respected actor of substance, of artiste. But he has to stay alive. Yeah. There is no separation between doing commercials, going back to TV series and soapies, and go back to what you do. It's all the broad field where the artist operates. So you cannot be exclusive in the sense that I don't do adverts. Mm. Why I, Me, I say, first, what is it about? Let's talk about it. Mm. How does it impact, right? The fears we had in the olden days was to do a beer ad and the beer ad <laughs> and, and the people there are, are on strike because they're being paid peanuts and they are thrown out. There's a demonstration. A number of them are being fired because they are on strike as the labor. At the same time, your, your advert is running that evening. <laughs> that was my only fear. <laughs> I'm going to give you a chance to look at your, your Twitter uh, handle right. because, I mean, I try to read these. There are no questions here. All it is really is just pouring love. Thank pouring you. love. I want you to go through it and uh, we'll be back after this at sfm radio and at pimelo mutile on twitter so we were speaking about the the snobbish artist who who you know who who turns down many things because you know we don't want to taint that it's a difficult one isn't it because also the lower standards you spoke about um what we don't talk about is our responsibility to elevate the standard that the audience expects from us. So in doing that, we've contributed to a lower bar of what we offer our audience. That's a disservice. Absolutely. It was a time when we did protest theater. All we needed was a table and two chairs. And no lighting. That's all. And no lighting. No lighting <laughs> just one bulb. And we just, because the subject matter, the content, the motivation, the inspiration was about what was this, the, 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 the agenda of the people that day. Mm -hmm. 1994 opened it up. Not really, not just to South Africa, but to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. X came in into South Africa. South Africans traveled more. Theater agents and became wider. Artists began to sing and go all over the world. And they come back and find out that, my Lord, 
I'm in a production that cost nearly one million rand, and it's a three-hander. Mm. And now I'm going to do it in South Africa. We can't raise 30,000. Mm. And if we do raise 30,000, we get rid of so many things in it. Mm. And when you as a director, you're working with your third choice because, because of your budget. Mm. Everybody's talking shoestring budget. Sometimes I get so angry. It says it'll only become shoestring after you pay me. Then you can talk about your budget. But the problem then is that you find yourself not being too much in the market. Mm. As, as the people here abroad says, I won a Tony Award. That was the last time I worked mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. suddenly everything went expensive. up in expectation. Yeah. We then do these very sort of low budget things, very low budget things, which then sets up the standard because that's what we can afford. The quality even of in film, in television, in the drama, in in theater as a whole. And then we have the awards systems that awards the best of what was seen this year. And then we have the people who are award winning directors, award winning playwrights and actors and all on television and movies and everything. And suddenly they then hit that bar, mm. which is about three miles from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. But that's what then, then when you go out of this country and you look around, it says, oh my Lord, I need to go back to school. Mm. I need to do some kind of quick workshop, some kind of getting me up to. But you cannot blame that on the artist. You cannot blame it on whatever. It's the economy. Mm. We are at a point where every rent is shrinking every day. You can't buy a loaf of bread if you've got 10 rand. You can't buy milk if you've got 20 rand. You can't drive your car if you've got less than 50 rand. These things zero you down to inactivity. Do you think before you even start thinking who's going to really still make this thing happen? Therefore, we're not self-censorship. We're also demotivating ourselves as we know the truth. And those that are working hold on into what they're ever doing for years because they're afraid of the nothing out there. And when they venture out there, they get hit so hard mm-hmm. by the reality of there's nothing going on there. And they beg their way back to the series, back to the soapy, back to whatever mm-hmm. is happening. So that's what has trapped us, the economic downtrend of the world end of, 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 of our country. The difference abroad is that Entertainment is a different industry. It's not linked to development. It's not linked to employment of that. They're doing this project. It will employ 300 people. I mean, we started with The Lion King 2016. And we knew that it will premiere July 2019. Wow. So already The Lion King this yesterday has hit 2 billion. Yes, it has. Now... That's why they did The Lion King. I might say it's a story about Africa. (laughs) It's a story about moving on. It's a story about Mufasa passing on the legacy to Simba. But that's not what motivated the business. No, no. Disney and Marvel are not in that business. They're in the business of making money. And we could inject that by creating product that the businessmen believe that if I put an investment, I'll get my returns. So back to your decisions about making a film or a play, what do you look for in the script that makes you say yes? One, it enhances human dignity. Two, it does not disrespect this continent and its people. Three, it does not abuse women or children. And those, and it pays a lot of money. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, it's very important to be in those things that I look for. I'm not excited now to have get this job. I can yes. do anything to get this job. Yeah. I'll do it for nothing to get this job. Theater, love, art is my life. It's what I want to do. Can you do that when you begin in your career? Get to a point where you see it as business, as an industry. Look at yourself also as a commodity that you employ or execute to make money. In the process, you'll find certain projects. I mean, wonderful actors like Robert Redford, mm. Sidney Poitier. Now Denzel Washington is doing it as well. He's selecting the works now that they have a break they can do and not start with that work. They did all the blockbusters and the funnies made their money. Now you look after development. Now you look at growth within the industry, but not while you're struggling to put food on the table. And this is what this this continent and this is what this country has put us into is to make us artists to be in the industry mm. of music, entertainment in broad terms, every genre, just to stay alive. To barely make it. Barely make to it. Barely make so it. we are trapped in that situation where we're struggling every day to make it. And when we make it just a little bit, and of course stars come in mm. as if you've been working for the rest of your life. And the next thing you think is better for me to sit at home. And the less and less people are doing work, this is a conglomeration now that is doing work in little groups and circles. And if you're not known, I get this painful call. My daughter just graduated and she's trying to get into the industry. How can you help Tatu Khan? I said, how can I help when she doesn't exist? Hmm. As you walk out of the university, we don't know you hmm. in the industry. We've never heard of you. How do I help when you don't exist? Find somehow, do a sunlight soap ad, do something. Something. <laughs> so something. That Find this face, some or this voice, something. do something, then come to people like us and say, how can you help? This is where she is. And also don't scam you. She or he must come to me and say, Tata, this is what I'm doing. Can you help here and here? Can you show this and that? We love you. We honor you. I don't know what to say to you. I... I'm, I'm just filled with joy and admiration. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for making the time. Thank you, my sweet. Here's another lady. She's di he's distracted. You know, he does this. He's he's completely distracted. That that, that thank you. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Dr. John Khan. Master, I mean, you know what you've done, right? I mean, he's gone. I no longer have him. <laughs> Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM. 104.5 FM in Stellenbosch. So what happened there is it's just a moment where people just kind of look at each other and things go all wrong. Where everybody's just starstruck. <laughs> people don't know what to press, how to press it. That that stopped talking to me halfway through our conversation. It's okay. You here? We we before me being here, we are in the presence of a king. I need to acknowledge the king. We are led. I am privileged to even breathe the same air. So, and by the way, we bumped into each other uh, on the red carpet at the uh, Lion, King Lion King screening. Lion King, I know you, must <laughs> And, um, the, you know, the respect you showed my son, I, I have you. the pictures. You're amazing. Thank you.
Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm not a king, I'm an elder. You're an (laughs) An elder. You're an elder, therefore you are a king. Command a lot of respect because I'm an elder. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) The moment has arrived. You are here. I'm here. And um, I feel I'm overflowing with joy, excitement, uh, the nerves. The everything you can imagine. Embrace it all. We welcome you. We'll be listening. We'll be calling in. We are all here for you. The love is pouring in. So, you know, welcome home. Thank you. Welcome home. It's three o'clock, everybody.